Get ready. Non-babbin. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Nope. It doesn't it's matter. Your fault. It is. You know, I very rarely use microphones in Africa because we don't have electricity. <laughs> I know not having electricity is a hardship here in America. <laughs> I know y'all are just can't believe you're alive. <laughs> uh, so funny because I talked to our disciples and in Africa, and I'll, I'll tell them, you know, well, we don't have electricity. And it's like, so? <laughs> anyway, I love Harold and Mary Lou. You know, way back when we first met, years ago, uh, I guess I was pastoring then. Right? Yeah. And chronically depressed because of it. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, Harold just loved me. And uh, Dennis Hall is another one that just, you know, because I was a little raw. Maybe I still am a little raw. <laughs> Getting raw, if that's possible. But, uh, man, I love y'all. And I really mean that. I really love y'all. And I love this church. It's a special place. And, uh, you know, it's easy for me to believe that, that San Angelo is not going to be different. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be different. It's easy for me to believe that. I mean, if you were here today, you should, it should be easy to believe that. I mean, if you're struggling to believe that, get saved, you know. <laughs> but I brought a couple of things I wanted to give to Harold and Mary Lou. And so this is, uh, we do, I used to do t-shirts all the time when I was an evangelist and traveling across the United States. But so this is our Africa t-shirt. And the name of our ministry in Africa is Jesus Loves You Ministry. And so that's our ministry there in Africa registered with the Kenyan government. And so our, our heart is, is what's on the back. And it says, uh, Making Jesus Famous. And uh, that's, that's our heart. And then uh, one of the t-shirts I used to do a long time ago that was our favorite. I've even had people at the airport try to buy it off of me, but I just didn't want to fly without a shirt on. <laughs> but this was one of our favorites. Uh, God is wiser, and he is the king of kings, and on the back it says... This blood's for you. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I like to wear Jesus t-shirts because, you know, I just like everywhere I go, I like to talk about Jesus. And so if you can wear it, you know, you're just kind of a walking billboard for Jesus. And that, I think that's cool because, you know, God can use you that way, even if you're too afraid to talk. Right? To tell somebody you can wear a shirt. I've never seen anybody get convicted because somebody had an alligator on their shirt. <laughs> so, yeah, or a man riding a pony. You know, so I thought, well, let's just do something that, you know, instead of a pony and an alligator anyway. Oh 
you know, we've been stuck at home because of COVID, and uh, we couldn't even travel to churches. So uh, I just, I preached to Michelle. She's been saved 13 times. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle's been praying, oh, God, please open doors. <laughs> So she packed my bag to come here and it was like, okay, go on now. <laughs> but I've been sitting at home going crazy. And, uh, and, and so I think it was just a month ago I preached my first time in like 10 months. And we, my, Michelle and I were driving to the church and I said, oh baby, what if I forgot how to preach? <laughs> So I took a lot of notes. Man, I preached a long time. <laughs> I felt sorry for him. It's like, look, I got to catch up. <laughs> but I, uh, you know, in the worship time, I just feel like there's just going to be a lot of healing. Amen. Like now. Amen. Like today. Yes. And uh, in this service. And I even felt that before I got here, but it was really confirmed since I've been here. So if you're sick, God's going to heal you. Unless you don't want to be healed. You know, Jesus did ask the guy, you know, would you like to be healed? I always thought, man, that's a dumb question. (laughs) But would, would you like to be healed? Yes. Yes. And because, you know, you know this. You know, he wants to heal you. Yes. I mean, we serve a good, good father. Yes. You know, I mean, he gets no joy in sickness. And you know, he's not limited in the ability to do that. I hope you know that. I mean, healing people's easy for Jesus. Saving people's a little difficult, but healing, you know. <laughs> Because, you know, the the healing part, the saving part, you have to cooperate with him. Yeah. But he can heal you without your cooperation. Yeah. I mean, because now you're his kid. But I I was worshiping there and I was like, God, you know, and everybody's had this question. And and it was like, I know there's a lot of people here that's prayed and asked God to heal them and it's not happening. And, you know, that goes a lot of places. I mean, then the devil goes to work. Yeah. You know, then the devil says, well, you don't have enough faith. And I don't know that I believe that. I mean, you know, the longer I've walked with God, the more my belief system's been messed up. <laughs> you know, because I really think nobody's going to get to heaven and Jesus is going to say, there's the one that had all the answers. <laughs> it just ain't going to happen, okay? I mean, we're going to get there and go, oh, wow, I missed that one too. (laughs) But, you know, when when we pray to be healed and it doesn't happen, the devil goes to work and your mind goes to work and condemnation comes into place. And why, you know, why I'm not healed. And I, I was just there worshiping, praying, saying, God, I don't know why, you know, I mean, It'd be nice to know. And he dropped this on me, just right then. I've never thought this before. And it's, see, you've asked God to heal you, but you're not healed. It's not God's fault. And it's not your fault. 
<laughs> that really messed you up. I mean, because, you know, we're human. We got to blame somebody. <laughs> and as I was praying about it, he took me to Daniel. And Daniel had prayed and prayed and prayed. and There was no answer. And I believe it was the prince of Persia, which is a spirit that was hindering the answer. It wasn't Daniel. It wasn't God. But it was this prince of darkness that was hindering that answer coming through. But Michael, <laughs> the warrior angel, you know, God's kingdom has ministers, right? Yeah. Right? Just like our government does. Another, you know, Michael is the minister of war. Anytime you see war going on, Michael's there in on it. Gabriel is the minister of communication. Gabriel's always bringing messages. Lucifer was the minister of worship, but he fell, so he passed that baton to us. <laughs> but Michael showed up, and the answer came through. So today, someone bigger than Michael <laughs> has come through, and your healing's going to happen today. Not because of me, not because of you, all because of Jesus. And that thing that's been stopping your healing, it's gone. So if you're sick and you need to be healed, I want you to stand up. And you don't have to try to figure this out or, you know, just chill. Just enjoy Jesus and all that he has for you, which includes healing and, and peace and many other things. So Jesus right now, this is your kids. These are kids that you've died for, that you love more than we'll ever know this side of heaven. People that you have your eye on them all the time. You know every hair in their head. You know everything about them. And you're crazy, crazy in love with them. God, I thank you today that the hindrance has been removed. What's been stopping their healing from coming is gone. And today that healing will arrive in their body. And I thank you for it, Jesus. I thank you right now healing has taken place all over this auditorium. Right now, God, people's bodies are being touched. Some people are feeling it. Some people are knowing that something's changing in their body. Some, some people don't know, but God, they're going to know. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. But God, you are healing bodies right now. The hindrance is gone. And healing has taken place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you that can tell something's happening in your body, just lift your hands to God and give Him praise. Something's happening in your body. You can feel something changing. You know, you can. sometimes it's a warmth. Sometimes it's just kind of a, you, it's something happening in your body. You can feel it. Just lift your hands and praise to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every person standing, God. Every person standing. Every person standing, every sickness, in Jesus' name, take it away. Every sickness, every disease, every pain, 
Take it away in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Wow. I just enjoy it. Doesn't it feel good to feel good? <laughs> and you get to go home feeling good. And for those of you that maybe right now, you know, don't let, don't let the devil discourage you. You're like, you know, I don't feel anything. You're going to get in your car. You're going to sit down to eat it. And you're going to go, wow, wow. Something's different. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's, I'm telling you, it's happened today. It's happened today. You say, well, I don't believe. You don't have to believe. It's happened. <laughs> Amen? <Yeah>. Sit down. <laughs> God bless you. Wow. I just love when God does stuff like that, don't you? Yeah. You know, we show videos and stuff all the time. Uh, and my wife and I, we look at our videos and stuff. And honestly, when we look at them, we go, that's us. <laughs> you know, it's hard for us to believe that God is doing in Africa what he's doing through us. Because, you know, we're no different than you. You know, we struggle like you. We worry like you. You know, I know you look at people up here and you think that we're really special, and, but we're not. You know, we have gifts like you have gifts. <laughs> and we're just moving in our gift. And you have gifting. And, and God wants to do great things through you. Maybe it's not going to be on a stage. It might be at the factory. It might be at work. It might be at home. Yeah. You know, it might be at the restaurant. I mean, we've seen so many people healed at restaurants since I've been back. Maybe that's why he kept me here. I don't know. But. <laughs> and uh, other people have been calling me saying, you know, this is wrong with me. We've prayed and then they get back with me. And one guy's an atheist. And he said, you know, would you, a friend of mine said, would you go pray for this guy? I think he's agnostic or atheist. And, and he's very, very sick, has cancer. Would you go pray for him? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. So we got in the car and went over there. And... Uh, and I told him, I said, you know, I don't know what you believe, but uh, God loves you. And he goes, well, I'm not sure I believe that. And I said, well, you know, it really doesn't matter if you believe in God or not, because he believes in you. <laughs> and he goes, well, but what if I don't believe in him? I said, that's fine. He still believes in you. He believes in you so much, his son died on a cross for you, even though you don't believe in him. <laughs> He died on a cross for you. And, and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to ask God to heal you. And I'm not in control of that. And I'd love to see God heal you. And, and I'm going to pray and, and hope that he'll heal you to show you himself. Yes. So I prayed for him and he went to MD Anderson and they did a bunch of tests. And they said, you're cancer free. There's no cancer, no sign of cancer. And it was really funny when I was at his house and I prayed for him. And, you know, I just loved him. I just told him, man, it's great to have a new friend and I love you. And, you know, I hardly know you, but I hope we stay connected. And, and he goes, well, look, before you leave, I want to give you a check. I said, no, no, I'm not taking a check. I know that sounds crazy. Because <laughs> I didn't want the devil to get in it. I said, man, I didn't, no, no, no. I didn't come here for, I came here because I love you. I didn't come here to get anything from you. And he goes, no, no, I'm going to write a check. I'm going to write, and you're going to take it. And I said, no, I'm, I'm not going to take it. <laughs> and so, you know, I didn't want to get into a fist fight with him. So, <laughs> so I took the check, and he gave me $1,000. And here's what God said to me. Money is still in the fish's mouth. <laughs> Money is still in the fish's mouth. You know, because I go to a lot of churches, they go, you know, we're really struggling financially. I go, go win some souls. 
<laughs> you know, maybe their tank went dry and you need to go get some new people. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, you know. I'm not in charge of this thing. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to show this. that I have a, I've been doing a Zoom Bible study. Uh, with some of our leaders that have internet in Africa every Wednesday, and it lasts two, two and a half hours. And uh, we've gone through the whole book of 1 Corinthians. I've just gone through like eight hours, or about 12 hours of blood covenant. I just did a session on evangelism. And you can go to Don Babin at YouTube TV, and uh, you can look at some of that if you, know, if you have a lot of time, because you know, they, they want to, like, after I go two hours, they go, can we do this twice a week? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but uh, we even have a guy that uh, I've known for about 30 years that's a pastor, and he, he joins it every once in a while, he said, man, you really need to write a book, uh, everything that we believe that's wrong, <laughs> I promise that's what he said, because we address some really controversial things that rocks a lot of people's world, but see, I have to do that because I want to teach them right in Africa, Right. you know, because these people, it's a clean foundation, so... You know, I don't teach them. Now, this is what some people believe. I just say, this is what the Bible says. Yes. So, you know, they just kind of get let off first. So you can go to our YouTube channel and look at some of that. And there's other things that you can get in touch with, as most people follow us on Facebook. But let me just tell you some of the awesome things that's going on. I, I wanted to tell this story. I think I've told it. My first time to Africa, uh, man, I, was, I didn't know nothing about being a missionary. I mean, nothing. God just said, go, and we went. I mean, we sold everything we had, got on an airplane, went there, landed in Africa, and, and I mean, got in a car, went out and lived in the bush for 30 days with this tribe. And uh, I mean, one guy walked three hours because he couldn't believe a white guy was there. And he got saved and healed. <laughs> so I thought, that's a good start, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and they took me out. They said, we want you to share tonight. And we have a little one light bulb and, and on a tree. It was a solar light bulb. And there was about 200 Maasai under this tree. It was very dry because they were in a drought, very dusty. And I mean, they're all just sitting in the dirt and the dust and they're breathing it. And you just, your heart just goes out to them, you know, because they're just so poor. And so they, all they, they wanted me to pray with them. Please pray with us. Please pray. And so I said, well, I want you all to stand and I'm going to pray for you. Now, as a pastor for 14 years, you know, I believe in all the gifting and all the charismatic stuff, okay? I believe in all that. You know, some of it, I just wasn't sure how much I believed in it. But I did believe in it, but, you know, I was a borderline believer. <laughs> and one of the things that I struggled with believing in was people falling out. Now, I believe in people falling out, but I just kind of struggled with, because I used to think, why fall out? You know, why not just fall into a chair? <laughs> you know, it's less distance, much safer. And, and so, you know, because people were falling out all over our church. I mean, in the foyer, in the parking lot. And I'm thinking, oh, God, people are driving down the road thinking we're a bar again. <laughs> our church was a bar. <laughs> so I'm thinking this was, and then after everybody be leaving, there's still people laying out. And I thought, I wonder if any of them had a heart attack and died. We just don't know it. <laughs> So, you know, I was a believer in falling out. Well, then I go to Africa. Now, you got to understand, they don't have TBN, they don't have TV, they don't have, they don't have nothing. I mean, we are out in the middle of nowhere. You got it? They don't know nothing about the Bible. And these people say, now, we'd like for you to pray. So there was a group 
a big group over in this section. I said, well, let me come over here and pray. And I started walking towards them, and I reached up my hands, and I said, in Jesus' name, oh, every one of them fell out. I mean, the whole section, there wasn't one standing. And I'm like, I believe now, Jesus. I mean, I know you're doing this thing. But, you know, the cool part about it was, when they got up, our translators were going over. They were getting up healed and delivered. Some of them were getting up saved. So, you know, it wasn't just a Six Flags ride. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, God had purpose in doing all that. And I still think he has purpose in what he does. But that was just one of the cool things that happened. Uh, Timo is our personal assistant uh, that's been working with us for about six years now. And uh, he had a life prison term in Kenya for getting in a shootout with the police where guns are illegal in the nation. So he was in prison, and, and I met him, and I knew right away as a prisoner he would make a perfect assistant. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Michelle, we're going to hire him. He said, you know, he had a 150-year prison sentence. I said, he's really going to be anointed. <laughs> and... Uh, so when I told him, you're hired, he said, why would you hire me? I just told you I had a life. I said, because God loves to use criminals. Amen. Moses was a criminal. Amen. Paul was a criminal. David was a criminal. I was a criminal. <laughs> so it was the perfect match. And he has just been an awesome worker. Where he was out in a region, we send him out because I can't go. So he gets to have all the fun and I pay for it. <laughs> And so he's out showing the Jesus film and, and, you know, going to some of our churches and staying in touch with them and checking on them, seeing how they're doing spiritually. And, and he was in this one region. Now, you've got to understand, 12 years ago, when we first started going to Africa, there wasn't one farm. There wasn't one garden. And they have, you've got to understand, they have millions of acres. But it's one big mass, and it all belongs to the Maasai. Over a million Maasai. I don't know if you knew that. There's over a million in the Maasai tribe. And so there wasn't any gardens, just cows and goats, and most of them were dead and looked sick and should have died, you know. Um, but Timo was out there, and this pastor that I've been, that's been on our team now for about eight years, he said, I want you to go back and tell Dad, they call me Dad, tell Dad his vision has happened. And Timo said, what do you mean? He said, well, just look. And as he looked, he saw gardens everywhere. He said, oh, no, 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 get in the truck. I want you to start driving. And they started driving. And Everywhere they drove, as far as he could see, there was gardens everywhere. So you got to understand, there were no gardens 12 years ago. There's gardens everywhere, which means they have money now. They have an economy now. So, you know, they're not poor. I'm going to take this thing off and use a hand mic if that's okay, because it's about to drive me crazy. Thank you. I can take this off, too. So, you know, we've seen that one guy when I was just recently there uh, before COVID. I was at this new church that I had started developing a relationship with. And a man came up to me and said, you know, I've heard you preach several times. But, you know, you're never, you're never around long enough to see the results of your preaching. And uh, because, you know, I don't go out and look at gardens and stuff, even though we're driving, because I'm more interested in people. Right. And so I want to spend time with the people, not just looking at gardens and stuff. And he goes, but well, you're never around long enough to see what's happening. He goes, you know, I heard you preach two years ago. 
And you told the Maasai to sell their cows, drill a borehole, a water well, and plant gardens. And he said, I took that to heart and I came home. And he had over 150 cows. He sold every one of his cows, drilled a borehole, bought a $30,000 generator, a huge generator, is selling water to other Maasai's. He has a 20-acre garden, and the other Maasai's he's selling water to, they have five and 10-acre gardens. So as a result of him doing what we were talking about, going out and doing something different and doing something new, a whole region has been transformed through one man. And I even went out and looked at his garden and looked at his generator. And, and then I told him, I said, okay, let's go another step. Start doing chickens and start selling eggs and you can make money. And so he said, next time you see me, I'll show you my, all the chickens that I'll have. So I'll be looking for that. Anyway, let's look at the first slide. And then i got some other things I want to share with you. <clears throat> so this is one of the churches that we've been working with for 11 years. I met them under a tree. There was about four ladies and three or four warriors, young men that are warriors that are just like, you know, bad, <laughs> okay? And uh, this is their church now. And, uh, and there, many of them are outside. You can't see them. They're outside listening. And so, you know, when we did this little tiny church, we've already expanded this one once. And so then they sent me a message while I'm in the U.S. And they go, we just, we're just totally out of room. We don't know what to do. And I said, well, I've given you all a garden. I've given you a generator. Uh, you know, I've given you some money. Take your money and use it. So they said, we're going to build. We're going to take our money and build a bigger auditorium because we're out of room. So the next slide. This is the beginning of their new, that's the old church on the right. This is what they're starting to do. And the next slide, this is them standing inside of, of the foundation, what's going to be the foundation. So, and, and this is an area that, I mean, it is, this whole region has been totally blown away. Because the Maasai, you know, women are slaves in the Maasai community, much like the Old Testament and the New Testament. Women had no value. And so, we have a woman pastor of this church. So when we put a woman as a pastor, well, the Maasai wanted to kill me. <laughs> I mean, they were like infuriated, like, you know, you can't have a woman have authority over a man and, and all of this. So I said, well, let's just have a seminar. So we had like a two-hour seminar, and I taught on it, you know, how wrong they were. And, you know, if you want to be wrong, you can be wrong, but this is what God says. Because in his kingdom, there is neither male and female. You know, not Jew or Greek, not, you know, there's, there's none of that kind of stuff in the kingdom. So if you want an earthly church, okay. But if you want a kingdom church, so all the men came up and they repented and they said, no, now we're going to, so the whole area has been changing. I mean, not just because of an economy, but changing in their thinking that is Old Testament. And so that we're just, we just love them. And there's a guy on the far right. He started chickens on his own. He started a garden on his own. So it's just spreading and spreading and spreading. And what we do, we go to an area. We've learned this after 12 years. And uh, we've learned that if we can make one Masa successful, just one, the whole region will change. 
See, whereas before we were going in and helping everybody do gardens. Now we go in and find one that's faithful, that loves God, and we pour finances and prayer and ministry into that one. That one's become successful. All the other mice, I go to that one and go, how did you do this? He teaches that one. Those two teach two more, and that's why it spreads so far. Because everybody wants success, even in the bush. Nobody gets up and says, please, God, help me be a failure. You know, they all, when they see success, they see what they want. And then you've got somebody there to teach them. So that's, that's just an awesome example. Next slide. This is another church. So this guy, and we're, this pastor, he's my age. And most guys don't live that long because they get killed in warfare. So, but he survived, and he was a bad warrior. And uh, matter of fact, he gave me his personal spear that has killed many men. <laughs> Because they still have tribal warfare there. And so, you know, they don't have guns. So they use spears, rungus. It's a stick with a big knot on it. And bows and arrows with poisonous arrows. And uh, so this guy, you know, when, when you have a friend in the Maasai language, it's called Ochelelei. That means friend, Ochelelei. Ochelelei Osipa is a very trusted friend. So that's a friend. But when you give a Maasai a cow, or they give you a cow, it's like a covenant it's like it's an unbreakable relationship, and they call that pocketing. And so this guy, the pastor of this church, when I met him, he walked up to him and he said, "My pocketing. We're in covenant together." And he's given me. He made a shield. It took him six months that the old warriors, the, the young warriors, don't know how to make it. But it took him six, six months to make it because he had to walk to get special wood and, and bend the stick. So I've got a shield. I've got his sword. I've got his spear. Uh, and he's just a great friend. And that was his church in the back. And it just exploded. We started going all the time. I mean, it just, boom. And they just totally out of room. So here's the beginnings of another church expansion. And so the next picture, that's the finished project. <laughs> and... Several of the very old men, the old, old men in, in these kind of tribes. Now, you know, we've started with the Maasai. Now we work with the Maasai tribe, the Samburu tribe, which is about a 12-hour drive and a long ways off-road, the Pakot tribe, the Turkana tribe. So now we're working with five different tribes, and they're starting to experience transformation. And so we get phone calls like, well, I don't, Timo does. I mean, all the time, can you come here? Can you come here? And this is what says, it starts under a tree, goes to a little church, to a bigger church. The community gets an economy. Marriages are changing. How they treat their children is changing. How, what they understand about money is changing. We call it total tribal transformation. Total tribal transformation. See, God's not just interested in saving you. Yes, I mean, that's his ultimate thing. But God's interested in more than just saving you. He wants to transform your thinking about love and marriage and children and money and the kingdom and church and worship. And, and so God starts this thing when you get born again and he begins this transformation process. And, and God delights in that. I mean, you know, God is pumped about what we're seeing happen over there. And I think that's so cool. The next slide. So there's been a lot of hunger because of COVID. And we're, we're stuck here in the U.S. And we're getting phone calls and texts from our pastors. And Timo saying, literally, he said, Dad, 
Churches where you've been, people are dying because of uh, hunger. And I'm not able to go to churches, which is how I raise money. And it's like, I can't do nothing. I mean, I love these people. And if I don't know them, you know, they know me, and so I've got to do something. So it's really been a miracle. So when the COVID hit, they shut down all the borders, all the county borders. The government said you cannot cross county borders. Well, in the bush, in the remote places, you have to cross a county border to drive off-road to a little tiny area where they set up like sticks and, and cowhide, and they put their beads and sell their beads. Maybe they'll have other stuff that they sell, and you can buy food. And they'll truck the food in to cross the border so that they can walk miles to that market to buy food. Well, the government didn't think that if we shut down the county borders, my people in the bush can't get food. And they were starving to death. And so I said, well, Timo, we're going to do something. I said, can you get a permit? You know, black market. I don't care if it's legal, just get one. Because, <laughs> you know, in a third world country, money will buy you anything. <laughs> So I'm saying, I'll send the money, just go find a crooked cop and get a permit so these people don't die. You know, if you can't get one legally, go the other route, you know? And so uh, we, we got a fake permit. And so Timo called me and he said, Dad, I just wanted you to know. And I said, no, don't say it. Just don't even want to hear it. We know we're good, aren't we, Timo? Okay. All right. We're going to get food to them. That's all I know. So we rented trucks and anything we could find. Some of them were big, big trucks because we were feeding a thousand families in one location. And uh, some of us just cars that we could find and they'd put food in the back of the cars and, you know, other vehicles because it was just unbelievable. You just look at the next slide just to give you an idea of how these people are living. And these people love Jesus. Next slide. Turn the volume. This is, uh, pause it. I, I got to tell you about this guy. Here, pause it before. This guy is a, he's from the Congo. He's Congolese. The refugees. I met him three years ago and just fell in love with him instantly. The Congolese, you know, the Congo's in war right now. And because they've jewels, they have found jewels over there. And when it rains, they're just on the surface. And so the militia comes in and kills them to collect the jewels. And they take machetes and literally hack their body to pieces. And so this pastor has seen his own children slaughtered. His sister slaughtered. And he has a church maybe of 300 people now. All of them are uh, refugees from the Congo. They can't get a job. You know, every once in a while they can get, like at a Christian school, one of them teaches French. And I think it, his name is Pastor Innocent. Innocent. And uh, I just fell in love with it. And they all smile and worship like you've not seen. I mean, they're worship. They have whistles and they're dancing. I mean, they just go nuts. I mean, nuts. I even dance. See, I have no rhythm. But, you know, they just go so nuts, I just join in, and it looks like I know what I'm doing, I guess. I don't know, but, you know, I know they get holy laughter when they see me, but 
but I just fell in love with this guy, and, and he's smiling real big all the time. And I said, innocent, you, you've watched your family members murdered in front of you. I my mind can't go there. Do you understand? I mean, I, I don't know. If I saw somebody murdering my kid, you know, they better murder me first. <laughs> you know, that's my flesh. And he's smiling, and I said, how do you do this innocent after what you've seen happen to your family? And how do you smile? And he smiled, and he said, because we forgive them. We forgive them. And I think, my God, we can't forgive somebody because they sat in our pew. Yeah. I mean, you know, we just, we, just, we just have a lot of stupid stuff in our life. You know, I mean, seriously, what they've been through and they're able to forgive. So he contacted me and said, we're literally starving here. They have, I don't know how many widow women in his church and many orphans because they were killed in the Civil War. And so we've helped them with their church. We've painted the inside of their church and stuff like that. Well, when he contacted me and said, man, I hate to even mention this to you. We, we don't have anybody. Else. We don't have the government. We don't have friends. We're refugees. We don't know who. So I said, man, listen, I'm sorry you had to ask. I should have been there before you asked me. And uh, this is, he made a video. So he, this is him. Dear Dawn, you can see how women, mothers are very happy. Uh, you can't see their hearts, but us on the ground, we have seen a lot. Tears are coming through their eyes because of this gratitude and how they are happy. This is the fourth time. Guys, you are giving us life. You are saving our life. Today is the fourth time. We can't, we don't have what to say. So, you have seen, we have families, nine people, seven people, others are ten people in one house. But all of them, they didn't go without eating, with even a single day or a single meal, through this support uh, from you guys. We bless you. We bless you so much. Now, uh, 100,500 kgs of flour they are going to feed so many people many families many members of the family have given just your figure it's around 700 people they are going to be fed through this support so you are saving life of more than 700 people god bless you the fourth time we are eating again through your hands may god bless you to accept him to use you thank you Dear god. isn't that awesome Another lady made a video because we fed them about six times. And the lady said in the video, I, I want to thank you and the people that support you. Because I can go to sleep at night not hearing my children cry from hunger. And then she said this. This blew my mind. She goes, now I have enough. I can even help my neighbor. <sighs> you know, we don't think that way. You know, it's, I mean, you couldn't even find toilet paper. It's like, forget my neighbor. But the, what she said is, I have enough to help my neighbor. And so they, we were feeding the Congolese, but they were giving their food away to, to other tribes. Next slide. 
So this is one of the trucks. This is the small truck, and it's oil because they need oil, and it's, it's maize flour. We were doing mixed beans, and the government raised the price of mixed beans, so we couldn't afford mixed beans, and so we just started sending more maize flour. We started grinding our own maize because, you know, we just didn't have a lot of money because I wasn't able to go to churches. And, but it was really a miracle because <clears throat> I'd say, well, baby, we're just going to do it. I don't care. We're just going to do it. And so I sent a bunch of money, and Timo buys all this food, and he gets it out there, and they make videos. And, you know, we fed, I don't know, the whole time during the pandemic, we fed 21,000 people, kept them alive, 21,000. And uh, we'd get another call, and we didn't have a lot of money in the bank, and it's like, you know, I mean, I, money can't let, you know, lack of money can't let people starve. I just, I just can't, I can't get my head around that. And it was like, well, we're going to do it. And, and so I tell Timo, okay, go get a price. We're going to go take food to this other area and, and see how much we need and how much a truck is going to cost. And uh, he'd send it to me. And I said, we're just going to do it. You know, we're just going to send the money. And you know what would happen right before we'd send the money? A check would come in the mail. It'd be enough to cover it. And then would be like, maybe COVID will be over the next time they need food. And then here, here comes more text. And, and the money would come in, and the money would come in, and the money would come in. You know, it's like God doesn't want us to be a cup. He wants us to be a pipe. Yes. You know, that's kingdom stuff. He doesn't want us to hoard it. He wants us to let it go. And the more we let go, the more that came in. You've got to understand, we had no income. There was no way for us to raise money. And we had people that I hadn't known for 15 years call me and say, listen, man, I know that you're doing this work in Africa and I've been looking for you. And could you tell me about what you're doing? I told them we were feeding. He says, I'm putting a check in the mail now. It was just from phenomenal sources. People were sending money, so we were able to feed. Next slide. And this lady, you know, <laughs> every little kernel of maize she was picking up and putting in her bag. Every single kernel. Because they didn't want to waste it. Because it's a matter of survival. Next slide. Hey, Donna Michelle. Hey, USA. Uh, That's Timo, in, uh, our assistant. Angela. This is a Congolese church. As you know that these people, the refugees, and in their country, they, there's war in their country. That's why they are here in this, in this country. And uh, as Pastor Innocent has told you, they don't have anyone else. The government doesn't recognize them. They cannot be employed in Kenya because they don't even have IDs. So they are here and they depend. They were depending on the pastors and their pastors. Their jobs were gone now. They don't have jobs. They are unemployed. But through Don and Michelle and USA, you've been supporting them and they are so, so much happy. Uh, it's more than a thousand families that you're supporting in this area only. We're just talking about a small portion in Kitengela, and you're supporting more than a thousand families, and you've given them food for three months now, and uh, they are so, so much happy. Uh, we are still giving food in the in Maasai area, we're giving food in the rural parts in Maasai, in Oloitoktok, uh, we're giving food in Kajado. We've been giving food uh, more than 10,000 people. Around now, 15,000 people have been fed for three months through you guys. So we really appreciate you. We love you. And we are praying for you that everything that you are doing, God will bless and increase you mightily. Thank you so much, Dawn. We love you. And we honor you as our father here in Africa and Mom Michelle as our mother. May God increase you and use you mightily. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much. 
Timos. His, his real name is Timothy, but it's just quicker to say Timo. So he's out right now showing the Jesus film at our expense, in our truck, people getting saved, and I'm not there. <laughs> so, so he'll let me know tonight how many people got saved, but I'll be there at the end of March. Next slide. <clears throat> Listen um, to this. Don and Michelle, once again, morning. We love you guys, and we love your love. Us. Like now, as Pastor Innocent, I stand here to thank you. As you, you know, um, I was a teacher. I used to teach French somewhere in a private school. But now, we were wondering, what will we do? We are requesting or seeking help for our people, even us. So normally, we used to keep quiet and say, let us see what God will do. And we are surprised to see Don and Michelle through the people who support you, you sent us rent, even money, extra money to buy some food. Thank you very much. What can we say? So we have seen, truly speaking, when we care for God's people, even God will care for you. Thank you to remember us. Thank you to care for us so that we can at least be able to pay this rent. Uh, it is very shameful to see a pastor being thrown out because of lacking of the, the lack of rent. But now we are stable, we are happy because you are going to pay the, the, the rent. May God bless you, may God bless you. Even if you feel encouraged to go on and supporting or assisting preaching to these vulnerable people in our church. Thank you, thank you. Our word are few, but we thank you all America who are supporting us to get this rent. Thank you very much. Thank you to, to hear Don and to give you your support through him and it is reaching us. Thank you very much. May God bless you. We'll go on pray for you. Pray for you and your families. Amen. Thank you. Bye. We love you. So we paid his rent for four months because they were going to kick him out. So, you know, I had to find out he wouldn't have told me that, but we just kept paying his rent and then we'd give him some extra money and you know, they were just blown away. I've got hundreds of videos from all over, not just the Masa, but the Dorobo tribes and stuff like that. Next slide. <clears throat> so, you know, we're teaching chicken projects now because, you know, we've done farming and that's been very successful, but we want them to be diverse. And so we're teaching them how to do chickens. And so uh, we started building, you know, chicken projects and buying them chicken so they can sell the eggs. And so, <laughs> you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just over there just, you know, just... Shooting from the hip, that's what my wife says, you know. And so I'm building this. Now, you got to understand, this guy lives in a mud hut. <laughs> a little mud hut. So we're building this, and he goes, ah, my home. <laughs> I said, no, no, it's the home of the chicken. <laughs> a chicken is called cuckoo So in the Maasai. So I said, no, no, cuckoo home. Ang is home. So he's like, no, 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 my ang. I said, no, no. <laughs> so I thought we were going to have a fight. He goes, no, no, no. Chickens can have my house. <laughs> I want this very nice house. <laughs> I said, no, see, if you do chickens, you can build a house like this and better. And so it was really, but anyway, he's become very successful. And we're doing other chicken projects now that are beginning to spread. We're going to make him successful and the successful spread. Next slide. <clears throat> Now, this is a project that we just started. 
uh, one of our pastors that is a legend warrior. And he's just, he's skinny. You wouldn't think he would be bad, but he is a legend in the Maasai community. Uh, when he was a young warrior, uh, the brave warriors, they kill a lion with the spear to prove their bravery. And uh, this guy, when you put the, there's maybe two or three warriors, when you put the first spear in, the brave warrior, when the lion's the maddest, obviously, grabs the tail of the lion and doesn't let go till he dies. And they say that's a very brave warrior. So he gets to cut the tail off and the mame, the lion mame, and wear the mame of the lion. And he becomes a legend. Well, they were also out hunting, and uh, there were some elephants that came. And nobody's ever done this, and this is why he's known everywhere. He's the only Maasai that alone killed an elephant with a spear. Alone. And they, the other warriors have met him. They said, yeah, what happened is this one elephant, he went up to it and stuck it. Well, those elephants begin to spin and turn and create dust. I guess so you can't see so they can kill you. And uh, that he stayed, and they said, he just disappeared. There was just dust. And that one warrior in there with that elephant, and the next thing they heard was a big... And that elephant fell. He killed an elephant alone with the spear. And so he's been just a faithful pastor. Uh, his church has grown. We've had to build him a bigger church. And uh, he, has, uh, he takes care of a lot of widow women. There's 30 widow women that he has to feed. 33, to be exact. And so those widow women have children. So he's feeding not just the widow women, but the children. And one of the men in his church, they're polygamist. You have to love them anyway, okay? We have issues, you know, God loves us anyway. So they're polygamists. They're getting it right. takes time. And he had like 10 wives and 60 children. He died. So they have no way of support now. So those 60 children... And those wives have no way. So this pastor, this legend warrior, is trying to feed them. We're sending food out to them. But they met with Timo. Timo was just out there, and they told Timo, they said, look, we don't want the handout anymore. We want to make money. We want a project, because we gave the pastor a project of chickens in a garden. And they said, we want to work and not have to depend on you. And so it's like, well, what would we do for 30 women? And so they, I said, well, well, let's don't tell them. Let's let them tell us. Because I've made the mistake of going to say, you need to do this. Well, it's a total failure because that wasn't on their heart. So I've learned to say, what do you want to do? We want to make you successful. What's on your heart? And they tell us. And so they said, we want goats. I said, oh, my gosh, goats for 30 widow women. How many goats? They said 30 goats. We need 30 goats, and we'll put them all together, and the 30 widows will raise those goats, and in three months they'll sell them, and they'll just keep flipping it and making more money, keeping a few more goats. That's one way. Then we're going to give them a garden. A goat is $35. And so we need 30 goats for these widow women. And this is their territory here. So, you know, there's not a lot for a goat to eat. I know they eat anything. But I don't know that they live on dirt. So, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of, Michelle and I are like, okay, God, we really need to hear from you because, you know, we don't want to just give to them. We want to help them to become self-sufficient. 
and not depend on the missionary. That's been our goal. That's a part of the transformation project. And so we begin to say, God, what could we do here? You know, and our pastor there, there's a little creek, and he'll plant a garden. He'll, you know, dig and, and get the water out of that creek. But there's drought so much like this that he'll plant the garden, start growing. Everything dies. You get a little discouraged. And understand that. Well, see, I don't want him discouraged. I want him encouraged. And so I said, well, baby, what are we going to do? Not, not the pastor, my wife, <laughs> baby. <laughs> I said, you know, baby, what are we going to do? I mean, we've got to help these people. And uh, we kind of told God we weren't going to do any more wells. You know, I mean, I, I told him quietly. <laughs> because it's just a lot of responsibility. It's an unbelievable amount of work. You just can't even imagine. On Michelle and I, traveling and dealing with criminals and corruption. And so I said, baby, uh, I, I think God wants us to do a well. And she said, me too. I went, whoa, I know this is God. You know, she was in agreement right off the bat. So, so I said, well, let's get, let's get a bid. Let's find out what it would cost to do a water project. Now, you know, you, there's other guys, James Robinson, he can do a well for $2,000. It's 100 feet deep, and it's a hand pump. We, we don't do a water well. We do a project. In other words, we drill 300 feet. We've drilled as far as 900 feet to get to water. And then you have to get it out of the ground. That takes a pump. So we've bought $10,000, $15,000 generators. Then you have to build a house for the generator. Then you have to put a fence up to protect that. Then you have to have a huge tank built out of cement to, so the water can be pumped in that so you don't burn up your pump. See, I'm learning all this. Listen. <laughs> and so, you know, we build these big tanks, and then you can have a trough around the bottom for their cows, and then you can have pipes so you can use gravity to water your gardens at a long distance. And then, of course, once you get water at a place like this, you know, they have elephants. See, I didn't think this through. I thought all of the elephants were in the zoo. <laughs> and so we build this tank, and here, the elephant can smell water from five miles away. Five miles! Well, there were elephants within five miles of our tank. And so what they do, they come, they drink the water out of the bottom part, and when they can't get enough, guess what they do? They just bump up against it, destroy the tank, water goes everywhere. We've got to rebuild the tank. And so it's like, man, I can't do this. You know, I mean, we, this is ridiculous. We've got to figure out a way. So now we pipe the water from the big tank about 200 yards away, and we build a trough for the elephants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because the elephants don't want to be around people. They just want water. So now we're providing for the elephants. <laughs> so, so we're going to do a well here, a water project. And the water's about 300 feet. We're going to build a big tank. We're going to go total solar because, you know, if you have a generator, you know, you have to teach them to change the oil. And, but first you have to teach them what oil is. <laughs> you know, and oil has a filter. And they don't know what a filter is. And so we would have to drive, you know, eight hours or five hours out to the place to change the oil of our generator. And it'd take us six months to teach them. And then we'd call them and say, it's time to change oil. Did you change the oil? Where, where do you buy oil? Oh, God. Do I have to tell you everything? <laughs> and so we had to go out there and show them where to buy oil and then show them how to do it again. And, and so we decided we're going to do solar. The solar pump costs more. The panels cost more. We're going to fence it in real good. So the total cost of the project is a little bit over $30,000.
I know. Man, when I first heard that, I said, I know I'm not hearing you, God. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I mean, really, it was like, but you know, here's the thing. If we pull this thing off, we're not just changing these people, we're changing generations. When we're dead, they're going to still be drinking good water. When we're dead, their gardens will still be provided. When we're dead and in heaven, they're still going to have chickens. See, now they have to walk four miles one way to get water, eight miles round trip. The kids can't go to school because they have to help carry water. Well, we want to educate the kids. Because if you don't educate the younger generation, then you failed. And so, you know, I mean, I've had to learn that education is important. And I hated school. <laughs> I'm sorry for the Harvard people. <laughs> I didn't graduate cum laude. I graduated Lodi Hakum. <laughs> so we have to educate these kids. Now we have schools. And by the way, one of our schools, very remote, very remote. There's these two tribes, the Samburu and, and the uh, Dorobo tribe. They, they are, they're at war and they're killing each other. So we went to the Dorobo tribe with our Samburu translator. <laughs> I mean, you know, we didn't plan this. And uh, so we get there and we find out they can't go to school because they don't have shoes. And the kids laughed at them. So they, the little kids said, we're not going to go to school. Because we don't have a uniform, we don't have shoes. So I said, so that's what the community said? You know, outside of the Dorobo tribe, the Samburu community said, you're not going to go to our school. So I said, okay, we'll teach you. <laughs> We're going to build the nicest school you've ever seen in your life, jump. <laughs> so we built this really nice school, desk, I mean, you know, blackboards. We bought them books. Uh, next, when we go back, I've got money to buy them uniforms, shoes. And the government saw what we did, so the government said, hey, listen, we're going to provide lunch for them. So the government's partnered with us at that school. We've hired a teacher. So now we have a full-time teacher teaching the kids. Uh, the kids have started a chicken project so that we can teach the younger generation how to create an economy when they're little so they grow up into it. So, I mean, it's just been... So this... this and by the way, it was a woman pastor that we took and planted with the Dorobo. So that was a challenge. It's one of our fastest growing churches today. Through this woman pastor. Just absolutely incredible. I mean, she has a two-acre garden now. Uh, the church is fixing to get a garden. But that, that, the warfare that was there when they saw what we did, listen to this. Peace came between those two tribes. When they saw that a lady came and pastored them and that a white guy built them a school and a church for their kids, those two tribes came to peace. Is that just cool or what? <clears throat> so this is our next project. We're going to do a garden for those widow women. So that means we have to plow and we have to buy their seed and stuff like that the first time. And then they have to, we have to teach them to hold money back because when you've never had money, you don't know what to do with money. And so we have to teach them Economics 101, <laughs> right? So we have to teach them the purpose of money, right? Most people that have money have to know the purpose of money. You know the purpose of money. The purpose of money is to advance the kingdom of God. And then whatever's left over, you just use that for yourself. I mean, really, that's the purpose of money, is to advance the kingdom. You know, God's not broke. It's not like God needs money. So God gives money to people so that people can invest in the kingdom, so the kingdom can be advanced. That's how God works. He's not going to send an angel to write a check. <laughs> I've learned that because I've asked him. <laughs> 
So this is where we're going. Next slide. This is the widow women. I'm not going to look at it, but this is Timo feeding the widow women. Next slide. I just want to thank you. Uh, we're giving out. Uh, this is Ms. Flag. You can skip it. It's just a long line of 30-something widow women waiting to get food. And then we went back again two weeks later and gave them enough food. This is Timo meeting with the children, giving away clothes, because we give... The little kids a lot of times don't have clothes, and so we have to give them clothes and tennis shoes and stuff like that. And So we're giving just to the widow women. And the pastor's wife went to Timo and said, I, I pray that you will help these widow women because my husband, he gives everything away to them. I thought, that's a kingdom man. <laughs> Next one. And so this is what it's going to look like. So you saw that field... Next time I come, this is what it's going to look like. <laughs> that dry field is going to have gardens like this. Next slide. This is Susan, the lady that's pastoring the church with the Durobo. I was just telling you about. That's her garden. She had a dream. Uh, I met her five years ago. She had a dream. I was preaching about gardens. They'd never heard of a garden. They didn't know what a garden was. You've got to understand, you're off-road for hours. Hours. You're riding. There's no road. It's the funniest thing. And we're riding along, and he'll say, turn at this tree. Well, I'll go past the tree, maybe 50 feet to turn. He goes, no, 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 back, back, back. I go, back? I'm going to turn and go back. No, 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 you have to back the truck up. Turn at the tree. It's like, no, you don't get it. There's nothing out here. There's no red light. There's no yield. I can go anywhere I want to go. I'm not going to back up. I'm going to turn here. But they insist. It's like, no, 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 dad, back up. It's like, oh, my God, you're kidding I mean, they really do. I don't know why, but it's like, okay, we're going to back up. Michelle says, just do what he says. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how far. They're just unbelievable. I mean, you're driving out in the middle of nowhere. It took us off-road before they built a road for us. The government did. Before, it took us like 11 hours. And, I mean, you just hang on, and you're bouncing, and it's crazy. And, I mean, it's just unbelievable hard to get there. And we, I took a group there from the U.S., from Florida, and uh, they hate me today. <laughs> Matter of fact, the guy told me, he said, I knew you went to the ends of the earth, but we're going to fall off. <laughs> He's still not my friend. I said, what do you not understand about remote? We go remote. Remote. That means way out. So I was preaching on the garden. She came up to me crying. I mean, I'm talking bawling, this this Samburu lady, like, I'm just weeping. And I said, what's the matter? What's the matter? And she said, you know, with my translator, she said, an angel spoke to me weeks ago exactly what you preached today. And I mean, she could barely get it out. About a garden, a garden. She didn't know it's called a shamba. And so she didn't know what it was. And she said, but I never knew. Listen to this. This is how far they live. I never knew you could stick something in the ground to make food. That's where they live. Now she has two acres. That's her garden now. Because that day I said, show me. She said, after I had that dream and the angel spoke to me and I heard you. I know this is God. And I got up and I took some stones and I marked a plot of land off. I said, show me. Take me to it. So we walked. And she showed me this plot. And I said, we're going to hire a tractor. We'll have it plowed tomorrow. I'll give you the money for the seed. You'll have a garden exactly where the angel showed you you're going to have a garden. And so now it's grown. Now she has two acres. And she is a woman of God. Let me tell you what. Next one. Oh, let me tell you. I had a guy from the U.S. And he was uh, traveling out in the bush with me. And I said, I want you to speak to the men. Now, you notice they're all smiling. 
which you know, you understand the Maasai people are very stoic. So uh, they're smiling, and let me tell you why. I found this out after he got through. He had a translator, the friend from the U.S. was speaking, and those men said no to the translator. Don't, don't translate. We're hearing him and perfect Maasai. He was speaking in English and they were hearing in perfect Maasai. And that's why they're like, wow, this white guy, he is really good at the Maasai language, you know. I mean, like, you know, this is a hard language, but this guy's good. And so, you know, it took a little investigating to find out why they were smiling. We found out they were hearing in the Maasai language. Next slide. Okay, pause it there. We'll go back and start it over. Uh, when I pastored a church, uh, a worship leader wrote a song for me <laughs> because, you know, my heart is just tell everybody about Jesus. And uh, this is one of the songs that he wrote when he was our worship leader. He also wrote, Let It Rain, Let the Worshippers Arise. And he now lives in Nashville and writes music for Integrity and other people. But he wrote this, and I thought, man, I called him and I said, I, I want to use that song with my ministry. He said, well, you can't because somebody bought it. I said, well, if I did anyway, I mean, would they throw me in jail? And he said, well, probably not. I said, okay, thank you. So anyway, <laughs> this is the song, and this is what we want to do in Africa. To make you famous, I lift my voice and sing. To make you famous, I do anything to make you famous. It is my sacrifice to make you famous. I'm laying down my life to make you famous. I lift my voice and sing to make you famous. I do anything to make you famous. It is my sacrifice to make you famous. I'm laying down my life. Sing it out. Hey, to make you famous. I lift my voice and sing. Hey, to make you famous.
love those people over there and I love America and uh, as an evangelist I'm just going to say a couple of things from my heart we have to really get centered on making Jesus famous in America too you know it's just it's not supposed to be about us and we have such a a Christianity in America that's so centered around us and and things like that. And people need Jesus. Government's not the answer. Government programs is not the answer. I'm telling you, and I know you've heard this, Jesus really is the answer. And, and I, I know that when people are in a time of crisis, it's the best time to tell them about Jesus. When people are going through a crisis, their hearts open to Jesus. And, and I just think, man, you know, God can't do anymore. He's got us in a crisis. Don't blame the devil for what God's done. God can stop COVID that quick. He chose not to. The world is in a crisis. Do you know why? Because the fields are wide under harvest. Amen. People are searching. People are hurting. People are broken. You know, people really want to hear the good news. Because all the news today is bad. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just bad. But we've got good news. We've got good news. We've got a Jesus that brings hope and a new beginning and new life and peace and joy and love and friendship and family. And, you know, that's our message. But, you know, listen, we've got to go. Author Blessed Night, I don't know if you all know who he is, but he's a great friend of mine. He's carried the cross around the world. And I love author. We text each other and message each other. And, I just love him. He's just the real thing, you know. Do you know Arthur Blessed? Just a great guy. And, 
and uh, we, we talking about evangelism. And he said, well, you know, Don, from what I understand, and he said, I'm not a theologian, but the word go, go therefore. The word go means leave where you presently are. <laughs> and that's the problem we have in America. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone. But if you're going to make Jesus famous, you've got to get out of the boat. Listen, we know Jesus can walk on the water, but what makes him famous is when you get out of the boat and walk on the water. And so we've got to get out. Listen, even if you're chicken, even if you're scared, my God, don't submit to fear. Do the opposite of what fear tells you to do. If fear says stay at home, get out and stand in the street and wave at everybody. But get out there and I'm telling, man, I'm big into gospel tracts. Look, y'all, I use gospel tracts. I give the church I pastored, we gave away 875,000 of them. Almost a million gospel tracts. And you know what? They came back. You could mail it to us. We'd send them follow-up material. They came back from 23 different states and four different countries in the world. We had a map in our office with little pins of every place that they came from. So don't tell me tracts don't work. You know, because that's what people say. Well, it's just, it's just, you know, it's not very relational. Well, going to hell isn't relational either. <laughs> I'm doing more than you. <laughs> right? And I've always asked them, well, you don't use tracks. What's your approach? <laughs> it just gets real quiet. I go, well, I'll stick with mine. <laughs> Mine's working. But get some tracks. Put them in your pocket. Carry them with you. Stick them in your wallet. So when you go to Walmart to pay for something and you flip your wallet open, tracks go all over the counter. Now you're committed. <laughs> you know, give tracks away to people. And I use little cards too. I mean, you know, like a little business card that says God loves you and you can leave that with a tip if you leave a good tip. I mean, if you don't leave a tip, leave a track from some other church. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible uh, edit that <laughs> but you know y'all listen really I'm, I'm just telling I've been, I've been saved for 45 years I've been saved and preaching I've been doing tracks for 45 years I'm telling you for, as an evangelist it works it's better than what most of you are doing now so, you know, you get that and you practice. Practice on your spouse. Giving one out. I mean, it takes a lot of courage. You know, you go to Walmart, you smile. You don't go up to them. God bless you, you ought to try it. If you do that, use that other track. <laughs> you know, you got to look like you've got good news, you know. Some of y'all just need to stand in front of the mirror and smile. I'm serious. I love you, but you just need to practice. You need to discover your smile. Seriously. I mean, you should look at yourself when you're not smiling. It's not pretty. So practice. Stand in front of the mirror. You know, like. Find your smile. That way you don't have to find it in Walmart. Find it and know your smile. And then ask your spouse, how does it look? You know? I mean, if you're like, do you look like your own cocaine? You know, you don't have a dumb smile. 
<laughs> I'm wasted. You ought to try this. <laughs> you know, so, you know, have a pleasant look on your face and be happy when you give it to them. Always tell them something like, when I get to, I'll go, can I leave this with you? Would you mind reading this if I left it with you? And they always reach out to grab it, to be kind. And I think maybe they're told to be nice to their to the client. And so I go, would you read this? They go, yeah. And they go to grab it. And I go, well, wait a second. And I jerk it out of their hand. I go, wait, because, I mean, are you just saying that? Or are you going to throw it away? I mean, because I don't want you to throw it away if I give it to you. We, no, 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 really, I'll read it. Okay. And they go to grab it. And I go, no, I, I just can't. I'm, I'm afraid you're going to throw it away. I mean, it cost me a nickel, you know? You know, get them on a little bit of a guilt trip. <laughs> You know, it's okay if they're lost, because <laughs> they are guilty. <laughs> and so then finally, you know, they're like, they're begging you for the gospel. I mean, they're standing there going, no, please, please give it to me. I'll give you my word. I will read it. <laughs> so, you know, get some of these. You know, and don't, don't, go, don't do this. Don't say, well, the church needs to print them. You don't have money? You go print them. I print my own. <laughs> I mean, just go print them. Design one. We've designed all kinds of gospel tracks. Design a gospel track. Go take it to the printer. Get it print, and then keep them with you everywhere you go. When, when you go out to eat, you give them out. Pray with the waitress. Come on, y'all. Everybody else has come out of the closet. <laughs> Maybe the Christian should come out of the closet. What do you think? I mean, let's just get a little bit bold. You know what I'm saying? I mean, make yourself today. If you go to eat somewhere, just make yourself first smile. You know, because they're going to go, oh, the church is here, look. And they'll, my food's cold. I didn't order beans. Jesus loves you. If I was the waiter, I'd go, I want to go to hell so I don't have to be around you. So, you know, when you go to the restaurant, you know, smile. I mean, even if you're not happy, just fake it. Do it in faith. That works today. Just smile in faith. Go, okay, here comes the faith. And then be pleasant. You know what? If you didn't get beans, maybe God didn't want you to have rice. That's what I do. If it's cold, it's preparation for Kenya. <laughs> you know what I mean? We just gripe. You know what I'm saying? Come on. I love you all, but you know what I'm saying? And I've, I've been embarrassed by some Christians. You know, and they'll come and go, wow, well, mine's cold and I didn't order this. I, go, I'm not, I was hitchhiking and they picked me up. <laughs> I, I just got in the car. They brought me here. <laughs> I don't know. Matter of fact, can I change tables? <laughs> You know, be nice to people that are hurting. Those waitresses are working hard. So what? She didn't get it wrong. If you want to chew somebody out, go talk to the cook. Hopefully he's big. <laughs> That's just my heart as an evangelist. Paul said, I do all things by all means. By all means. By all means. By all means. To the Jew, I became, you know, a Jew. To the Gentile, a Gentile. I became all things to all men that I might win some. I, 
and that by all means I might win some. How many of y'all can say, I've been going all out to tell people about Jesus. You want to see San Angelo change? It's going to take Jesus. And I promise you, if you'll do it just a few times, you'll get hooked. It'll blow your mind. You win one person to Jesus, you'll never be the same. You, you go out to eat, and that waitress looks at you and starts crying and says, man, you know, my mom used to take me to church and I need to be saved. You lead her to the Lord, you're going to go out to eat every meal. <laughs> because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, as a soul winner, everywhere I go, people are open. Open. They're all open. I'm telling you, anybody here that's a soul winner that witnesses, you know what I'm saying is true. You know, I used to hate it when those phone solicitors would call. Now I love it. It's like, oh no, baby, look, I'm stuck at home, but a fish is biting. <laughs> I just love it now. And so I, I go, okay, yeah, well, I'm not interested. Do you? And then they'll say, well, is there anything, you know, that I can do for you, like when you call? You say, yes, could you listen to me for one minute? <laughs> you know, they're paid, they have to. <laughs> and you can just give them a quick presentation that what Jesus did in your life and how much, man, you're so glad that you're saved and that God loves them and Jesus died for them. It'll blow your mind how many will say, and you say, would you like to pray and be saved right now? Yes, I would. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's how hungry the world is. But we've got to get out there and do what we're called to do. Let's make him famous. Amen. Are you done? Did y'all stand? Can we have our ministry team to come to the front? Don said he's, uh, he's been frustrated. He's been looking for a church in Houston. And he said, you know, they quit giving invitations at a lot of churches. They just quit. They just, at the end of the service, I say, well, God bless you. Have a good week. And he says, well, the crowd, in a crowd this size, there's somebody here that know Jesus. And so we want to give you the opportunity to give your life to Christ this morning. And, and whatever other needs you may have. But we will always let you know, hey, you need Jesus, and this is, you can find him. We will pray with you. We have people, all these people love Jesus, and they want to pray with you. You know, this is Jacob and Mariana's last Sunday here. I think they would like to pray with somebody. I mean, look, they came up here again. They said, I'm one more time. So, so, Father, we thank you for this day, what you're doing in the lives of everybody, Father, just touching so many hearts. We thank you for what you're doing in Kenya, and we thank you for what you're doing in San Angelo. Father, we want to continue to bless Don and Michelle, giving and supporting them financially. But Father, right now, we want to see people come into the kingdom of God through the power of love, through the forgiveness that comes through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, woo them, draw them. May they make that decision today that will change their life forever. In Jesus' name. Step out and come. If you need prayer this morning for anything, if you don't know Jesus, step out and come. We want to pray with you. Step out and come. I know if you've got kids, it's probably running a little late, but if you've got kids, you might want to go ahead and go and pick your kids up. But we want to pray with you this morning. We want to see God's kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Step out and come.
Thank you, Lord. Now keep it quiet as you're leaving to get your kids. Just kind of keep it quiet. People are coming forward for prayer this morning. Thank you, Jesus. You can still come and bring your offering for Don this morning. You can go to our app and give. There's a place there to give for missions for Don Babin. If you want to give electronically, you can do it that way. Amen.